0: Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Back to the show. He's been shot six times. Halloweenies. He's been burned alive. Halloweenies. He's lost his head. Halloweenies. Michael Myers can't and won't be stopped, which is why he returns this October. In anticipation, the Consequence Podcast Network presents Halloweenies, a limited series that carves out one Halloween movie a month, leading all the way up to the October 19th release of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride's new movie. You'll get tricks. You'll get treats. You'll get Michael. Tune in for the night we came home. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Hello to all of you wonderful people out there. I am your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another edition of This Must Be the Gig. It's a show about the world of live music, your little backstage pass to that experience. Each and every single week, I really strive, I work hard to bring you a fascinating conversation from that beating heart of the live music and performance scenes, which could really mean Chatting to musicians or festival founders, choreographers, comedians, actors really, anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. But before we dig into this week's interview, which I'm so excited about, let's check in with our CC constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, engineer Adam. Hello.
0: The CC. Hey, it's me, the CC. <laughs> I don't
1: know why I call you the, our engineer. It started last year and then it stuck.
0: Yeah, well, I, I feel like it makes me... Because you have a
1: mini-a-hatter.
0: It makes me feel like I'm at the front of a choo-choo train. <laughs> Just, you know, keeping us on the tracks.
1: I don't know what was weirder, yeah. hearing you say choo-choo train or seeing you say choo-choo train Whoa. and staring. It's like when you eat a banana and you stare somebody in the eye when you eat a banana that was kind of the same although there was no sexual innuendo booze i think
0: we should say that it's weirder to hear it because that way the audience feel like they're getting the weirder experience which is so really what you're i was not only
1: being for. weird but you're also looking out for the audience yeah that's it me it that's out. me in a nutshell <laughs> do you <just> wink twice <laughs> that's exciting what's up
0: not much it's been a busy week here at the uh, studios we've mm-hmm. been catching up on so many new releases on new tour date announcements it's uh that time of year when things are really ratcheting up for festival season you're gonna be out on the road a lot soon i'll be kicking back in the studio solo
1: so holo chew <laughs>
0: chewing <Choo-chooing>
1: along <laughs> the only choo chewing i do is
0: when you're eating snacky snacks
1: Snacky snackies. Snacks at the gig. That's a behind That should be our that should be our little segue. Yeah.
0: Snacks that's a behind the, the scenes episode. I like it.
1: Yeah. Let's let's not do that. <laughs> I don't feel confident at all. Um, I'll tell you though, let's not even talk about any of the news. I feel like people on Bob are bombarded. Keep don't dare don't you dare edit that. Heart. They're bombarded. Ba-ba- de- I feel like I am so bombarded that I can not even pronounce. And I nearly become, said electrocute.
0: You've become bombarded and <gasps> I electrocuted.
1: I am I'm, I'm bamboozled by the world and the news. I'm, I'm f- holding my heart. I'm bamboozled by your impossible I'm pronunciation
0: of bombarded.
1: Bombarded. B- bum- b- 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 anyway, I think what's most important is this week's guest. Not only because of her wonderful nature, but also because she has a new album out. She is going to be an essential part of the conversation this year and for many years to come.
0: I know. I completely agree. She's such a fascinating person and just really makes compelling music and she's only twenty three, but Nila for Yanya has been building to this moment for over a decade, would you say? It seems like she's yeah. been really working on songwriting and guitar and singing for such a long time I know you chat about that in the conversation but she's a London-based artist who fuses every single genre together which is such an amazing achievement there's little bursts of emotion bubbles of, of this passion that all are swirling around you and they're threatening to pop but then they all bring you and lift you up together it's amazing stuff there's Soul. There's jazz. There's indie rock. There's really a little bit of everything. Guitar, synths, and that incredible voice of hers. It's really magnetic, like Quicksilver. It's really cool. She's uh, opened on tour for everyone from the XX to Interpol to Broken Social Scene to Mitski. But now with this debut album about to drop, she's stepping further into her own spotlight. So that album
1: is called Miss Universe, and that's coming out on March 22nd. And um, it was recorded partially in the studio where she grew up, jamming with family. But it really outshines her early EPs, which I got to see live in Iceland a few years ago. Beyond the music, the record, as you were saying now, really sucks you in. There's something quite unpretentious and powerful about her guitar playing. And I feel like it's definitely poppier than her previous things but i don't even you can't even really make that comparison because everything she's done has been fucking power and there's also uh the records conceptual through line which i find fascinating which you'll hear more about during the chat is a medical company called we worry about your health and that brings each track together in its compassion and paranoia like It's just an incredibly confident and fragile piece of work and something that I feel honored to be able to share with you today in part through a preview of perhaps my favorite song of the album, Tears, which will play just before we get into our chat, so stay tuned. But in addition, I was able to chat with Nelifer about finding influence from family, adapting to different touring partners and, I don't know, so much more. Miss Universe is just, there's little uh, ticks of humor dotted around, and you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Both the conversation and the music.
0: But before you get into loving the music and the album, I'm gonna take your time for a second here.
1: Take it. Take my time. Take their time. Take it all of our time, time.
0: Just leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does a great favor for the show. It's very important for us to be able to find new listeners and continue to grow and bring you better and better conversations. Leave us a five-star review, maybe in the form of your best concert experience, your first concert experience. As I said, apple podcast is great or wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will what are show... the
1: options because every week i feel like we say that and people are like people who don't listen to podcasts yeah. can enter into this conversation yeah you
0: can listen through a cast on uh on their servers you can listen through stitcher you can listen on spotify
1: apple
0: apple podcasts i use Google. overcast there are many third-party yeah i love apps. overcast you can go anywhere
1: both of us use overcast Shout i out think overcast Shout out overcast i think it's also because of how beautiful the uh, interface is Absolutely. as well you can Absolutely. change the different skins and feel like you're in winamp
0: <laughs> uh,
1: It showed my age
0: but if you do leave a five-star review we will shout you out on the podcast this week guess who i'm gonna shout out who? pitfall fan <laughs> great job pitfall fan Good. thanks for leaving that Good five job. star review. step we right up
1: pitfall fan stay with us you got a fan in me
0: if you want to be cool like pitfall fan and get a song from leor <laughs> leave God. us a five-star review no. and you'll get us next week
1: no let us not be delayed i will leave you this is me and Nilifa. enjoy
2: Holding back to show me that you're strong Looking back I see where I went wrong Given I'm get scared to call.
1: But then how much control do you have over which cities you stay in longer? Is there any control at all over that? No. Okay. (laughs) No. I mean, if you want to get, I mean, maybe at like the beginning, I could have like, yeah,
3: I don't really have (laughs) any choice. Yes. So I'm going to stay in LA like a few days, but I guess that's our choice. But I kind of need to stay there anyway. so.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Just yeah.
1: Now, obviously, I'm speaking to you in a little sweet spot because we are counting down the days to your debut album, which is coming out mm-hmm. very, very soon. Um, and mm-hmm. I understand that you recorded it in a studio where you used to jam with your uncle, who was also a musician. I mean, I recorded some of it though. Yeah. Okay, so where else did you record?
3: London, uh, mainly, LA, a bit, tiny bit, like two songs. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah, most of it was done in London, I see. But I did some writing or more with my uncle and then I went down there with the producer and we like worked there for like five days. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. How much impact did he have on your um decision to become a musician? Well I'd already
3: decided, but I guess he's one of those like encouraging people who actually know stuff about music. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I had many discouraging people, but Mm. he actually was like someone who knew things. So I guess you look up to them and you're like, oh, cool. Like, you know, it's possible. You can actually do, you can make a career out of music. Mm. It's not just like you have to be famous, you know.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But obviously speaking about your family, you are going to start touring and you have a date um, a stop in Turkey is that uh, just to yeah. just to confirm is that where your fa- your father's family is from yeah my dad was, he's was from Istanbul oh yeah. okay it's so beautiful there I've travelled there a few times yeah it's really wonderful when was the last time you were there
3: um, we played a show in oh it was a long time ago now it was um, April last year yeah, it's
1: April. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know when time yeah. becomes a thing that you can uh, sit and reflect on, it becomes much lar- larger and stretches. It doesn't
3: feel that. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago though. It's so weird. Mm, I'm sure only a whole year ago. Yeah. <sighs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> can you? I mean, but look at what you've <laughs> look at what you've achieved in in just a, a year. I think it's, I think it's really wonderful how much has happened. Thanks. I just, I don't feel like I've done anything. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like I've been doing
3: doing shows and then um, finished the album. But yeah, it's weird. It's such a quick, it's been such a quick year.
1: Obviously going back, I can only imagine, you know, being somewhere that's so close to you and that you connect to. What what kind of feeling do you have about bringing a show, you know, into that world? And how long do you feel like you'll be able to be there for?
3: Before I went back to do a show in 2017, I want to say, or maybe it was, yeah, 2017, yeah, was 2017 January. And, like, I hadn't been there in years, like maybe, like, four or five years. So it was really weird to go back but this time with like having a show there because I hadn't, hadn't been there so long and I didn't really, you know, the last time I was there, I hadn't, you know, I was making my music, but like I hadn't ever performed. Mm. <laughs> so it was weird to like go back and be like, Oh yeah. Um, I'm doing shows just like different. I didn't ever expect those two worlds to connect, you know, like my a family, like my my history and my present music mm. but it's really cool that they did
1: yeah in the beginning obviously when you were starting out making music did you ever feel like you would connect back to your roots as such or did you just hope that it would happen one day
3: not really i didn't really think about it
1: mm.
3: yeah i just didn't think like and they'd like my kind of music <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i didn't i didn't know anything about turkey basically i still don't really know anything it's such a big country and it's such a rich history. I don't really...
1: I think even if you are from there, it's there's so much to unpack. But it would be really wonderful yeah, exactly. if you got time to to spend there and really experience the local music scene as well because it's so wonderful yeah. what, what people are doing there. Do you, Do you have a favourite venue, though, or a favourite country or place that you have played so far, considering how you have toured quite a lot?
3: I can't think of anything. <laughs> maybe i don't know everything's so different you know i don't know if i have a favorite yeah it's
1: a tough question but i suppose it's quite telling in terms maybe of, i haven't you haven't know
3: had a favorite one
1: yet. yeah yet
3: yeah <laughs> the, yeah the world yeah, is yet.
1: large <laughs> yeah there's time and now you're obviously uh you've got some recent tour dates that have included opening for sharon van Eten and interpol Mm-hmm. Um, two acts that are obviously so powerful and really magnetic, but so different musically. Um, do you tailor then your performance to the different crowds based on the acts that you're on the lineup with?
3: A bit, I guess. Yeah, you do. But if you're a support slot, you kind of need to just put all the best songs in. And just be like, bam, bam, bam. And <laughs> so that everyone listens. It's not a bad way there. I think it's like you have more freedom to showed one side of your musical style.
1: doesn't seem like you have any limitations in terms of genre, really, because you're fusing, you know, elements of R&B. Yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. There's a lot of jazz and indie rock and it's all mashed together. What did you then listen to, not during the process of recording the album, but really when you were younger, how many different varieties of genres did you listen to?
3: Not that much. I mean... I listened to whatever my parents played and which was like classical music or Turkish music and then my sister had her own music collection it was like punk rock, pop, skater rock and then obviously I was hearing what everyone else was hearing just like the pop, R&B and all the popular music at the time I was just really interested in learning to play guitar It it was something that Whenever I heard it in a piece of music, I was, like, drawn to it. Yeah. I think it was, like, angsty, angsty sound.
1: Is that just because all your feelings could uh, essentially come out at that time? Or was it more a cathartic feeling playing the guitar, listening to the, that type of music?
3: Well, I didn't start playing the guitar so much later. Mm. So when well, I was, like, when 12, did you start? So I'd wanted, when I was, like, 12, 13. But that's but so young I'd still. to play it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd wanted so to play young. It so yeah. Yes. It felt like I've been, you know, you don't don't have any concept of age or time when you're that young, but I didn't feel young. I felt like I was starting it late. Do you
1: have somebody though, I suppose, because you've got such a vast uh, interest in different types and styles of music. Do you, you know, you've opened also for the XX and one of my favorites, both of them broken social scene and Mitski, um, among so many others. Is there, like, who was the most fun on the road? Or, like, somebody at least to share that space with? Because it's so important that you touring with someone and a band that you really not only get along with necessarily, but really admire and are inspired by. So who was really someone who affected you? and had that impact.
3: The other bands, like Broken Social Team, XX, um, Nitsuki, we'd only done like, one or two shows, with them. it wasn't really like a tour, which yes. is more like, you, you turn up and you play, and then you go, um, and they're all great, in their own respects, I really love, Mitski's style, especially, but, yeah, I'd say most recently, like this tour, that I'm on now, with Sharon, I think, yeah, just watching them play every night, and, Seeing them as a band, and there's something that's still so like current about her music and her everything she's, she's doing on stage, but she's like more developed into her career, so it's really it's inspiring and also comforting to know that that's possible yeah you're not just gonna like don't you don't have to be popular and fade out or yes, you know. Is really like works on her music and it's come and it's grown and yeah it's just an amazing show and she's really cool and she's really nice and yeah i really respect them
1: yeah i think it's interesting because obviously I, I feel like there's you know pressure for artists to stand you know next to these people that you may have idolized or you know really loved their music for a while and Sometimes getting to know somebody, it's a whole different story, as you know, in the industry. But the fact that obviously she yeah. she's so transparent with her process and also really with who she is. I feel like being alongside that really complements your music. Um, but also I loved hearing that she's yeah had that had that um, insight. You've had that insight from working with her
3: yeah it's just, i think it's just like you can see like you it's impressive like the shows, the music's good and it's still it still has weight mm-hmm. to it it's not like from a bygone era mm-hmm. it's not like you no, know, i think that's the danger that happens and that's like it's definitely like a fear you're like oh no one's gonna want to listen to my mm-hmm. music in five years
2: mm-hmm.
3: and you don't ever want to become like part of just one time mm-hmm. and yeah so Think that's that's real success, like she's managed to, she's done that.
1: I know, and I feel like a lot of her albums, everybody's like, it's so different to the last because obviously the production's different. But the truth is, I feel like she's always, yeah, been like this. It's just what she's chosen to mm-hmm. tap into, um, at a certain time. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, you know, there's that part where she like screams, I think it's on Comeback yeah. kid Yeah, and I felt like it was familiar when I heard that because we haven't really heard much of that to that extent but maybe yeah. she's just record i haven't spoken to her yet about it but maybe she's just recorded it and in the past and just had demos of it and not actually put it on the album like i don't think it's this newfound voice i yeah, feel like she's exactly. always been this strong it's just coming out in a different yeah, way becoming
3: becoming yourself
1: yeah which is so in this day and age it's so difficult to do like you said, you can, you know, Definitely. your relevance can really be tied to uh, current trends and times and just people's willingness to listen to you. Um, you know, there's like a lot of, there's not a lot of control, I find, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But yep. that's, that's really amazing that you've gotten to be next to that. And you're still obviously on tour with her now. Yeah. So w- were you, all the people obviously that you saw, I think it's the most, uh, one of the most interesting things is always finding out what your first concert was when you, when you started going to concerts. What was what the first live performance that you experienced?
3: Um, I didn't go to loads. Oh, okay. When I was younger, because I don't know, like I wasn't really, my parents were quite like... You know, just quite strict. So they wouldn't really let me out late, like by myself, or t- t- tickets to concerts are expensive. And like the bands that I knew mm. were playing in like big, you know, stadiums and it'd be like 20 pounds. And I didn't really just have 20 pounds to go to a concert mm. or sneak out. So um, <laughs> I didn't, I don't remember seeing many concerts. I'm trying to think of the first one I would have gone mm. to. Like, I saw a family's friend perform at the Jazz Cafe. I remember going mm-hmm. to that. It was, like, reggae music. That was cool. And I remember going to, like, my teacher's piano recitals. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to those. <laughs> but I mean, that's still I that remember... still constitutes, you
1: know, not everybody is born... You know, like Americans, I find like they go to concerts so early because it's such a recurring thing that a band gets to tour. It's so accessible for them. Yeah. You know. And you have like you have
3: like bands actually. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) In venues, you don't really. There's not so much of that culture Mm -hmm. in London. Even though I went to music school, it wasn't until a bit later that everyone starts doing their own shows Mm -hmm. and you know. So really, like the first gigs I went to were like my friends and like my own and that's how i got to know concerts
1: so what was the feeling because obviously you you are such a natural performer i think i saw you in iceland for the first time it was like two years ago um it was like in some it was like a basement venue i can't even remember the name of it
3: was it the 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 rock, yes, the rock,
1: yes, the it was like it, yeah, yeah, Iceland Airwaves. <laughs> it was a great venue, actually. It got so packed, um, that I was like squished to the back, which was great because I love it. I love it <laughs> when that happens when you like are just a vessel and you start to move around because the crowd like makes you, you know. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll go to the back, yeah. thank you. I feel like it's interesting because when I first saw you. I was so drawn to what you were doing um, and you were doing it in such a natural, easy way. But were you always able to find that intimacy and energy almost that you have with your performing? Or, you know, was it something that you really had to learn at school and watching others?
3: Thank you. Um, I don't really feel like I'm a natural performer at all. I think what it is that's like I have, I kind of just have one way of performing, and the only way I can do it is just, I guess, to try and feel as comfortable as possible, and just pretend, in a way, that you know you're not in performing or just playing, which is really difficult. Um, and I think it's weird because like each each show is like has a different vibe because it all depends on the crowd. And sometimes if you feel like the crowd is resistant, like you can use that. It gives you. Sometimes it gives you more energy, and sometimes it doesn't. Mm. But people are interested, and I don't know. It's really, I don't feel like I have much control over my performance. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's just kind of it just happens, and you are kind of one with the music and your guitar and your band. I felt like you were so connected to your band as well, which is something you don't often see i feel like a lot of people take that for granted just because there's a band up there doesn't mean that there's that symbiosis you know i feel like that there, there was really a good connection that you had at the time thank
3: you um well i've known my band like years mm. me and jazzy have known each other for 10 years uh i've known luke for like maybe the same amount i've known ellis for like five six years so we all like know each other and play music together and You know, like, being in different bands. So I think that's that's from that, just, like, good friends. Good friends.
1: I don't think it's rare that people get along, because relationships, you know, especially when you are going through something that has the potential to have a lot of tension and challenges like touring or, Mm -hmm. like, performing or putting your art mm. out. I don't think it's that rare for people to come together. It's that like sense of family or familiarity. But I do think it's, yeah, as, right, a, yeah. as a consumer and like a listener and an audience member, I definitely think it's hard sometimes. People can't really put their finger on it. Sometimes they excuse the music for it. Sometimes they excuse the singer. Um, but most most mm-hmm. of the time I find if I'm feeling like the experience of watching a band perform is a little bit off, I always look at how people are playing together and if there is that, um, there is that connection okay. because it's so interesting. It's so yeah. hard. It's, it's, like, it's really difficult to, to have one message almost and be able to take all these beautifully talented and creative people and have them have that one goal. Maybe it's because I'm not yeah. in a band. <laughs> Maybe that's why I find it like so fascinating. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> you know? Do you remember then the first the first show that you ever played, the first one that you ever performed?
3: Yeah, there were a few. So I did one with a like like a bassist and a drummer. i was playing guitar. And that was very early, before I left school, like seventeen, and um. I just remember like a few of our friends came, my mum came, it was in Brixton and I couldn't I couldn't hear anything (laughs) and then I did like my own show just by myself, I guess it was more like a proper show at the Troubadour in London Mm -hmm. and um, it's like, you know, you just like email the booker and you'd be like, hey I want to play, you send them your music and they're like, okay, I remember like I had this like buzzing like adrenaline for like a whole day afterwards. I woke up and I felt great. I was like, yeah, like I'd had ten coffees mm, or something. Mm, mm. Like, I was like, I felt like alive and like I was doing the right thing. And then I had to go to work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love how you said you just emailed the booker. Was that like, did you feel... Yeah, because it's
3: just small venue. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. My friends, my friends, they were like, oh, yeah, if you want to play, like, you can just email the guy. Okay.
1: Mm, mm. And and so then talk to me I know I mentioned it earlier That you've got your new album coming out But the track I mean I'll, I'm glad to talk about a few of them But Heavyweight Champion of the Year That's so emotive And so physically Impactful How did you really get yourself into a space To perform that in the studio Like do you find yourself Exerting yourself physically When recording Or is it just how the impact of the song is translated. Yeah,
3: different bits of the song require different energy. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to get the part right. Like the oohs at the beginning, you just need to sing them in tune <laughs> and well. But like the rest of the song is quite yeah. You need yeah. like you need to have the right emotion and so for certain bits you
0: mm. yeah.
3: But like backing vocals, you just want it to be you know on point. um But we did that song in like a I mean have Jazzy and Luke produced it for my band. Um, so we did like quite a few versions of it before we got to the final one. And it was like a mixture. I can't remember what we end up, vocal take we ended up using. Um, but we tried out like, you know, just playing live with the guitar and then the whole band comes at the end. So we recorded record that live and like trying out recording the vocals live or should we do them separately? So it was like a lot of different styles
1: and what's it like then transforming that so- a song like that for the live audience you know it seems tailor-made really for a big stage so how do you really go about the process of translating a song for performance a song like that especially where the album isn't out yet um it's kind of fresh for you as well how do you how do you go about that
3: i normally play that song at the end and oh, okay it's quite quite it's quite simple really we just i just start by myself and then we have a few little bits and pieces coming in, in the second verse, and Jazzy joins in with the backing vocals. And there's like a few things that are a bit different to the record, but it's mainly pretty similar. And it I think it translates really well mm. because of, you just need to have that tension at the beginning, and then when it all kind of explodes at the end, I think it, everyone gets
1: it. Yeah, it's such a good moment.
3: Yeah, it's fun song to do. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I'm sure.
1: And I love the spoken word elements of the um, health company in the album, the, that um, mm-hmm. Thank you. we worry about your health. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, I, I love that. It, it, but is, is like hypochondria something that you've experienced or struggled mm-hmm. with? Is that something that makes tour life a little bit difficult? Or are you just commenting on experiences that you've had
3: i don't know i guess it's a bit of both really i feel like that's the uh, hypochondria and all those things like it's a symptom of like our times like that's just kind of how everyone lives mm-hmm. now and we're always like trying to be better and healthier and stronger which are all good things but then it can can get to the point where you know you're losing focus of your actual your life and it's great to be healthy and but it doesn't make you happy like it's great to be strong and it's great to I feel like some of it is just like a facade and it's not like the real Mm. thing Mm. it's just like it's just a big distraction from what you're meant to be doing
1: so how do you find adding that into the album what do you what do you hope that that does
3: I'm not not really sure I was just trying to weave like a story Throughout the, the so there's a kind of narrative that weaves songs together, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's too distracting. No, not at all. <laughs> maybe, I loved it. It's great. But maybe maybe that's maybe that's like a good yes. thing because maybe that makes maybe that more kind of makes the point because mm. it's not. You know, you're trying to do something, or trying to get something done, or you're trying to explain yourself, and it, you keep having to justify what it is or your feelings and. You know, it's not it's not good to feel like it's not good to feel like that, but you do, and that's life. Yeah, I don't know. I was just playing around. Yeah,
1: well, it was a great play around. I can tell you, it really it really works. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks. I also really loved in your head. That track is so explosive. Well, talk to me a little bit about Thank the you. production part of the track um, from the conception, or did did, mm-hmm. did you? unlock the song in the studio how did that really come about
3: uh, so I recorded it with John Congleton
1: amazing
3: um who incidentally also recorded the Sharon Van Etten album oh wow yes yeah yeah but this is like end of 2017 we just we just we had one day in the studio in London where we finished writing the song with him and we just made a demo of it it was really rough but The demo isn't so different to the recording, the final recording. It's just, like, brought up, like, ten or so, like, notches. But we just kind of stuck to the feel, the demo, but made it, like, louder and brusher. And I guess more, like, surround sound, like, more like a bod. You can feel the sound. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we just did it in, like, two days, I think. I
1: read somewhere that, I think it was in your bio this the backstory to melt and obviously that's really pertinent to Mm. this podcast and everything that we discuss um well particularly just the subject that it's i believe coming home obviously from a festival you had an experience with your friends (laughs) what what happened do you want to tell the story
3: uh it wasn't like a story It was just like i had a really really nice time Mm. and but you have you have such a great time you're just going to come down afterwards because it's like even if you haven't taken anything, you're still going to feel sad because mm-hmm. <laughs> a party is just a party. And yeah, I think it's just like reaction to the fun that we had. Yeah, and, that heart. I was kind of imagining like a, a sinister like, character in the song yes. that was like wishing bad on someone. And like, you have, we had such a good time and I think that's such a nice thing. And, but sometimes like things go wrong and like, you know, I was just thinking... Um, it was my friend's festival um, called Collider, okay. and they, it's our second year, it was on, and yeah, it's really special because it's just like 200 people, I played there as well, and like every arena, it's just like a fun, it's it's so different, such a different experience to like a big festival, it's so much better.
1: <laughs> Have you played big festivals, or mostly smaller? Oh things? no, we've
3: done some big ones now, we did like Latitude. Um, I can't remember to be honest no, last fine. year but we did like various like ones in like Europe like big ones I can't remember the names um, but is
1: that something that you as an artist it's better to play the bigger ones how do you or is there no comparison between the two it's just a different medium you're playing a big crowd or a smaller crowd
3: yeah, I mean I think it's like a sign of your your where you're at in your career I think that's it and I think if you get to play a main stage in a really cool festival, that's obviously really exciting, but it's only because of all the other things you're also doing. Mm.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like,
3: I wouldn't, I would if I, if I played a main stage now, it'd just be like a fluke. Yeah. It wouldn't, doesn't mean that all those people there kind of know the music. It's just more mm. like, oh, I just, you know, somehow I'm playing a main stage at a festival, but it doesn't, I guess it wouldn't feel as fun unless you had the energy, unless people wanted you to be there, you know? I think that's very different. Yeah,
1: festivals are tricky. I feel like I've heard so many funny stories from bands who were uh just releasing albums and nobody had heard any of the songs of that album and then they're opening for a much bigger headliner that's later on. You know how festivals go. Sometimes you've got a you've mm-hmm. got a queue. Yeah. And yeah. wait in the front uh, of the barricade until it's your so one deep. comes through. Yeah. Um, and the best is when mm-hmm. I'm shooting is to turn around and see these fans who, are, who I know are not waiting for that particular band on stage and see them just going crazy and finding a new band that they love. But then you talk to the artists about it and they're like, yeah, no one. Everybody just looked at us blankly. Like nobody said anything, did anything. So it's really tricky. Yeah, geeky. yeah. It's really tricky to kind of navigate that, but have you had any of those experiences, or do you feel like fans or um, people that have come to your concerts have really understood what you're doing?
3: Like we obviously like some festivals are just like really badly organised. So you get on stage and you're ready to play, and like everything goes wrong, and like you just kind of have to play with it and like talk to the crowd, which is really funny. Yeah. But then um, the funniest one we did was in Spain. And it was this really nice festival, like really beautiful. And it was like mainly Spanish bands, and we were playing on this tiny, tiny, like the smallest stage. There it wasn't even really a stage; it was like, um, it was for like a beer thing, and we were just on this small stage or like Jägermeister or something small. Um, but we started, It was just me and Jazzy, and we started playing, and then like before we started playing, like all these people started coming, and then they started singing along, and they knew the, they knew the, they knew the songs. It's so, it was so unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, that's probably the best one because I didn't, I didn't expect yeah. it. And it was, I just thought like no one was going to even watch this, the set because no one would know our music.
1: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Especially when you're not expecting it. Sometimes, you know, you can have high expectations yeah. because you know you're a good artist and you've put in the hard work. But you never really know when you're playing, you know, random stages that really aren't stages they're just areas demarcated you know so that's great to hear that you had that reaction thank
3: you yeah it was it
1: was um yeah something pretty fun um and so talk to me a little bit about um the artist in transit Do you want to talk to me a little bit about the organization as a whole or or really how you became acquainted with it and what you'll be doing?
3: Sure. So it was my sister's idea. And we started going to Athens in October
2: 2016?
3: Mm -hmm. No, 17. No, 16. And um, I can't remember. No, 16, yeah. And she just had this, like, simple idea to go and... Because she'd been the year before to an island called COS, and she was volunteering there, and she just felt like there was a lot of people volunteering but not really helping or doing much or, like, actively, you know, Mm. being much use. So she was like, I want to go back, but I want to bring some people with me, and I want to, like, do art activities, and I want uh, want us to be that thing that we do so we can meet people, talk to people, like, work with children and... That's that's kind of it, really. Now we're just like we went like four times last year. I only went like once, um, but we just bring like different friends of us, basically mm-hmm. and equipment ideas, and just set up like a little classroom. Mm-hmm. we've been working in got now, um, yeah, and just getting to know people and families and making friends. I think that's kind of, that's that's it really. It's like just making friends. It's not even about making anything.
1: Is there anything other than that that you find really inspiring going on? Because obviously there's so many uh, political issues at the moment that I know a lot of people who are trying to do more work. It's difficult to find exactly, you know, what people could do because... We know retweets do not do anything. So, is there anything else that you're really interested mm-hmm. in in that sphere?
3: Uh, well, we want to like bring it to London as well and do more of that work in London and work with children here, families, but also like support support people who who work within the community mm-hmm. and they're already doing so much, but they didn't have they don't have any of that support and they're very stressed and they they're feeling you know guilty and. Like nothing's going to work, and I think that's really important. Can
1: people find out more about it? Um, where whereabouts can they do that?
3: Yeah, um, we have a we're building a website at the moment, but for the time being, we have a artisan transit Facebook page, uh, Instagram page, um, a funding page as well. I think, yeah, all those wonderful. Things.
1: Yeah, just so that people, you know, sometimes when you hear something that you feel like you can either want to know and read more about or be part of, I think it's important just to have all the mm-hmm. information that you can possibly get. We,
3: a lot of people that have come on the trips with us, we they're like from other countries, we haven't met them before. Mm-hmm. So anybody's welcome to, if they're interested, like get in contact.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of wonderful, wonderful. So where where next are you going? What's, I know you said you're now in Oregon... So where do you, how long is this little portion of tour, how long do you have to go?
3: We've got two more weeks. Oh,
1: okay. We,
3: and we've been on the road for like three weeks. So it's <laughs> been quite long. Um, and I think we're going to, well, I don't know, we're going back to Vancouver,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I think tomorrow. Um, I can't remember, I'm not looking at the calendar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know, I should have it in front of me <laughs> we're well. we're going
3: to, it's okay, we're going to like San Diego and... LA, we end up in LA, but there's definitely somewhere else we're going as well. In between that.
1: And do you find, obviously, the you know being on the road for so long, uh, do you find that? You, I know you mentioned that you went for a run, and that's a good way to. I'm not. Mm. I don't want to assume what you're doing for you know run. <laughs> and just exercising and also probably burning off steam. Uh, getting your mind off things and also seeing yeah. the city. Yeah. But why do you why do you tend to what what about running makes you happy?
3: Um, I don't really run that much. That was just today. Yes. day. I mainly just like I'll just go, go use the gym in the hotel. Yeah. It's I don't know. There's a swimming pool, like a swimming, you know, whatever that is. It's just it's just nice to have a bit of a routine when there's no real when you're in a different place every day. And obviously it's like healthy and like good for you and kind of makes you feel less like a, a slug. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, reading books and like listening to podcasts and thinking about things, making things, writing things, whatever it is. Um, but it's definitely weird because you're so disconnected from everything else and it's not real like your real... It is my life and it's a life that's not like a real life but just in a way, in that way it's kind of nice. You don't have to have the responsibilities of everyday normal life. Yeah. Um, but it's also strange because when you start to, I don't know, you feel like you're maybe losing your balance in a sense. They're like, oh, who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? I don't know, you know, without having the groundings of like just every mm-hmm. day. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, I think this is the longest tour we've been on. So, it's probably the most intense because 'cause we're all just really tired. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think that there's also you don't you you're obviously not expected to be any other way, but I feel like especially playing a new new songs, I'm sure that gives you some revitalized, yeah. you know, feeling.
3: Yeah, I mean no, definitely, like the shows have been really good, like apart like there's been things that have gone wrong, but the crowds in general have been that's what gives you like the energy mm-hmm. every day. They're like, Oh, because your whole day leads up to that point, and then when you play, you feel like you've done something.
1: Absolutely. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble, and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Braiter and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtg pod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you all.